Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For over 350 years, the state of South Carolina has been the setting for some of the most horrendous crimes ever committed. Some have gained global notoriety, some have been forgotten, and others have been swept under the rug completely. Now, two South Carolina natives and true crime enthusiasts have teamed up to examine these heinous acts in detail, giving their perspective of the evil that has resided in the Palmetto State. You're listening to Carolina Crimes. And welcome back to Carolina Crimes, episode 133. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hires, along with Danielle Myers. And we're over the moon thrilled that you joined us here for this tale of true crime from the Palmetto State. And uh, before we get started, a lot of good feedback from last mm-hmm. week. Uh, that Ronaldo Rivera episode, it went a little long. Initially, we thought it might be two parts, but we were able to get all the details we needed into one episode. It's a little longer than normal, but we appreciate you listening. It was a riveting story yes, that didn't was. get the attention that it deserved to honor both the victims and to condemn the monster that he was. Mm-hmm. Is awful. Yes. Awful stuff. Well, before we get started here this week, just a few things we need to tell you about. If you're looking to support the show, we'd appreciate you going over to carolinacrimestore.com, checking out the merchandise over there, T-shirts, hats, hoodies, tumblers. We thank you very much and appreciate everybody that has done that so far. I can tell you I'm ready for hoodies. You're ready for hoodies? <laughs> Good gravy. It is hot, guys. But football season's here. Yeah. So that means cool, cooler temperatures are right around the corner. Hopefully. Well, we certainly appreciate everybody listening. Thank you for supporting that way. If you're listening on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts, um, be sure to throw us a five-star review. Tell us a little bit of something you like about the show. And also, um, if you're listening on Spotify, you can do the same thing as well. Also, if you're not already following us on social media, check us out on Facebook at Carolina Crimes Podcast. Also, over on Twitter at SC Crimes Pod. You'll be able to put some uh, faces with the names of everybody associated with our cases. Especially last week, we kind of inundated you with pictures from the uh, Ronaldo Rivera case. Uh, But you'll be able to see, you know, pay honor to the victims, pay homage to them, see all the players. Sometimes we have courtroom scenes on there as well, and they're a good follow. All right, Danielle. Mm -hmm. So you've got an interesting one for us from the not-too-distant past 
I believe. No, 2009. So not, not too not far, far away. And it comes from a city that we have covered a couple times and we'll cover a ton more mm-hmm. in South Carolina. One, the most historic city in South Carolina. No shade thrown to Beaufort or Georgetown, but there's one king, mm-hmm. and it's Charleston. Uh, we've gone over, usually at the beginning of these shows, we go over the history of the setting. Um, we could be here and we could do a podcast every day for the next five years about the history of Charleston, and we wouldn't get it all in. Yeah. So we get little bits and pieces at the beginning mm-hmm. of each show as to not bore, bore a lot of people, but we have covered several historic aspects of the city of Charleston, and we're going to do a little bit, just touch on it briefly today, because we want to get rolling on your story, Danielle. Now, Charleston, South Carolina is the county seat of, of course, Charleston County, and it is South Carolina's oldest city. Uh, Charleston was originally founded in 1870 on the west bank of the Ashley River, over where Charlestown Landing mm-hmm. is today. And uh, you can go over there. That's a fantastic park. I think they still have animals out there. You can walk through lots of different exhibits, and they've got like a real-life replica ship that's moored there that you can get on like one of the ones the original settlers of Charleston mm-hmm. sailed over here on. I think I've been on that. Super cool. Well, that's originally where Charleston was, over on the west bank of the Ashley River. But Charleston moved to what is now known as Peninsula Charleston, the city of Charleston, in 1680. The city itself was named for King Charles II of England. And Charleston is South Carolina's most populous city, with around 154,000 residents in Charleston proper. That's not counting Mount Pleasant. West Ashley, James Island, North Charleston, all the surrounding areas that are there. That is just within the exact city limits of Charleston. Uh, Charleston was known as um, the home of Fort Sumter, which was the first full battle of the U.S. Civil War on April 12, 1861. Uh, The firing on the Star of the West, I think, were the first shots fired, but that was the first full battle. And we always talk about famous folks from all the locales that we cover, and just a few of them from Charleston. Uh, Thomas Gibson, the actor and star of Criminal Minds, ah. is from Charleston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denmark Vesey, the African-American community leader uh, who was accused of planning a slave revolt in 1822 and was hung on July 2nd, 1822, uh, martyred for that cause. Uh, Charleston was the birthplace of Chris Middleton, three-time NBA All-Star, and won the NBA championship with the Milwaukee Bucks in 2021. And it was also home to Fritz Hollings, a very long-serving U.S. Senator from South Carolina and South Carolina's 106th governor. He is such an interesting character because I think he served in the U.S. Senate. This is a, a wild guess, but around 40 years, which would make anybody across america the senior citizen mm-hmm. the senior senator from their state yes but he never was he wasn't because there was a guy that would serve there longer that served forever in the u.s senate i guess guess it strom thurmond strom thurmond we were That's just talking it. about it last night because we passed we were on by the usc campus yeah. And uh, we got to talking about him and how yes. long. I was like, how long was has he been, has, you know, was he a part of the Senate? 
he he was around for a long time, mm-hmm. and he has made his way into a lot of these episodes. Yeah, he just always we always have to keep he's coming a, back to him. He's, he's part of South I Carolina mean, history. Love yeah. love he, it or he, not, he clearly was intertwined in a lot of different aspects yes, of the history was. of South Carolina. Yes, he was, and um, for the good and the bad. Yeah, you know he he always pops his head up, but he is a character. They make several cameo appearances on Carolina Crimes. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, 2009, that's a little after Strom's time. I think he died in 2001. Yeah, just a little bit. So, uh, maybe, he, I don't think he'll be in this episode, but Danielle? He could have had some part, but I didn't see his name come up in all my all research. Right. <laughs> well, Danielle, take it away and let us know what we're going to be talking about here this week. Well, this is an interesting story that I stumbled upon like i usually do i know you do as well if we go off of suggestions um and then we bounce between that and trying to find other stuff and somehow you come up with something that just shows up and you're like where did this come from completely off the wall never heard of it and this was one of those stories and the more i read into it you know dateline did a episode on it i think it was called stranger on the train or something oh wow um it was interesting. There's a lot of news articles written about it. Um, and I'm like, how? i never heard of it. Never. None of these names ring any bells. So, you know, of course I'm going to look into it. And it is one of these stories that goes to show that sometimes all it takes for stuff to not end right is to just meet one wrong person. Yeah. And it really does change a trajectory of somebody's life. And that's that's really the heart of this story. So we'll just start, um, go back a little bit further, I mean, uh, before 2009 to 1981. Um, Catherine uh, Peronio, I think that's how you say her name, Waring, she went by Kate, was born on March 5th, 1981, to Thomas and Janice Waring. And she would um, come to be the middle sister between two brothers. So I'm sure it was a very, uh, she was very protected, (laughs) couldn't do anything. Um, And the Waring family actually had deep roots in Charleston. They were considered a multi-generational family that had been there for years. Her grandfather and father were both well-known lawyers. And her parents had a house. I don't know if you've ever been in the area or if anybody's been in the area where the battery is in Charleston, the heart of downtown. The houses are very historic, old. They're tight together, but there's a lot of history there. They're beautiful. And this is where her parents lived, and she grew up in this area. And that's where you have the Rainbow Row, Mm -hmm. um, the South of Broad neighborhood that's exactly what that is that's where for lack of a better term the old money yeah in charleston resides yes and that's what they were and that's where she grew up and she was uh very smart from a young age she was very caring they said towards kids animals a very compassionate person and as she got older her parents would learn that her daughter had their daughter had been sexually abused as a child by a family friend that it never came out until Kate became an adult and this resulted in her having um, eating disorders um, depression 
addiction problems that would lead for her to be on and off the wagon. So she had yeah. a little bit of trouble that was stemmed from this, and she was in therapy to help work through mm-hmm. this, and she had the support of her family. And her dad, you know, Tom decided she needed to get away for a little bit. You pick a place, and you imagine someone says this, you pick anywhere you want to go, and we'll go. All right. And she chose Russia, which was interesting. Wow. Yeah. But she was very she was very smart. She knew a bunch of different languages, and so I guess it was just, let's go somewhere different. And she fell in love with the culture, and she, I don't know how, but she picked up the language very quickly. Wow. This is, I mean, this is impressive. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I mean, saying, wow. no, but I, I would, I could, I could be there for a year and maybe say, hey, bye, how are you doing? Yeah, you could give me a hundred guesses about where she picked to go in the world, and Russia wouldn't be on it. Yeah. But, wow. And, and she went over there and was able to just take to it like a duck to water. Yeah, and she did. And she decided to stay over there for a little bit longer while her father returned. And unfortunately, there were visa issues that caused her to have to come back home a little bit earlier, but she did make um, plans to return because she wanted to study there. Um, So she flew from Russia into Washington, D.C., where the 28-year-old took, and I don't know if you've heard of this, the Palmetto train. Have you ever heard of that? No. So it is, it's, it's a train that's ran by Amtrak. And it goes from New York City all the way down to Savannah, Georgia, totaling 829 miles uh, with 23 stops. And all in all, it takes about 23 hours total to complete. I didn't know anything about it. I mean, is this a is this a train like you see in the movies with like a sleeper car and stuff? I mean, or? I would think I mean, I would think they would need to provide something if people are going to be I mean, this isn't just city to city. It's a long trip. So yeah, they definitely if, provide it where you can you can sleep. If any of you listeners have been on the Palmetto, what's it called? The Palmetto, Palmetto Express. Tra- no, Palmetto Train. That's Palmetto Train. Pretty easy. <laughs> I'm trying to mix it with the Polar Express. All right, the, the so the Palmetto Train that if one you've goes ever, to the North Pole. Yeah, if any of y'all have ever been on that Throw us a little something about it over on social media. I want to know more about this, just like y'all did such a good job the other week of throwing with those southern sayings. sayings. Yeah, I was southern like, sayings. I was like, same, same. Yep, heard that, heard yep. that, and, and learned Thank a few y'all new ones. so much. Um, but yeah, um, I'm interested in this, but I don't know if I could sit on a train for 23 hours. Yeah, but New you York have they, City they, they do they family. stop. I mean, they have stops. And but I mean I've always I thought a, I don't want to stop. I've always thought that traveling by train would be something that's very interesting to do. Uh, my mom and Herbo did that like I think a year ago or so, and she really enjoyed it. It's just I guess it's just different than driving in the car or taking a plane. But yeah, it'd be well, the way planes are going these days. And yes, I am throwing shade at the airline industry. <laughs> With our experiences the last over the last six months, yeah, um, I might look into train travel. But sorry to interrupt. No, Go that's, ahead. no, it's very interesting. So she took this train from Washington D.C. down to Charleston. Palmetto Express. And she returned home, and she had plans to re-enroll in um, college. Janice had been out of town, and they returned home on Saturday, June thirteenth and realized that they hadn't heard from Kate since the Friday before. 
and she wasn't at their house and she was supposed to be house sitting for them while they were out of town and she spoke regularly she was a daddy's girl so she pretty much spoke to her dad every day mm-hmm. and so they're like okay well she's not here maybe she's at her house which wasn't very far from where they lived so they go through her house and just like back at their house they didn't see anything out of place but they did notice that she uh, had some medication sitting on a dresser and it looks like it hadn't been opened and she it was medication that she was required to take daily so the parents called around to jails hospitals thinking that she might have relapsed because there have been issues in the past um where she was on and off the wagon she would move in with them sometimes when she was having issues and then move back out so they just wanted to make sure and none of them were able to have you know they didn't have anybody there fitting kate's description they were kind of they were hoping this sounds silly to say but hopefully you know maybe she's in jail or in the hospital so that way they would know she was safe yeah somewhere because while they were i mean yeah because she was you know hanging around the house by herself while they were gone i don't know how long their trip was but you know so uh her parents um they decided they were going to wait until monday and if they hadn't heard anything from her they were going to contact the police well monday june 15th just a couple days since they had heard from her her parents did get a call but it wasn't from kate it was the branch manager um, at the uh, bank where Kate, you know, did her business. They told her that there was a man named Ethan Mack that had come in and was trying to cash, cash a check for $4,500. And the thing is, is Kate only had $100 in her account, and she knew <laughs> that she only had $100 in her account. And the branch manager had dealt with her and this family enough to say that the signature looked off okay so instead of going just going ahead and doing it which first they couldn't because there weren't the funds weren't there they're letting the dad know they're like um maybe like do you know about this is this something like maybe he can okay and the dad was like no yeah she's got a hundred dollars not forty five hundred yes and her parents knew of ethan mack um i think they had met him a few times but they had heard more about him through kate where she would talk about him and according to everyone that knew her kate and ethan were pretty much best friends they pretty much had a sister brother relationship like they were very close so her parents you know something's not right about this we haven't heard from her in a couple days and now this guy who's her best friend that we kind of sort of know because they had talked about it had been talked about in the dateline episode that she had you know sometimes you have lives that your parents don't always know about even if you're not intentionally trying to keep them from it it's just you have your separate life as an adult yeah and that's kind of what this was and so they decided to call the police and let them know that's when they're like all right so our daughter haven't heard from her and now there's this guy trying to you know cash this check so police of course you know track him down they speak with him and he said well he had lent her money a few days before and so she wrote this check to pay him back and he was just going up there to cash it yeah and they're like okay well when was the last time that you spoke to her and he's like well last time i saw her was that friday the 12th they went out uh, for dinner and drinks before he dropped her off at her house between 11 30 and 11 45 that night okay so that means she's drinking again too yeah all right now, I don't know if she had an issue with that 
or if it was just more illicit yeah i mean or prescription pills yeah or something like but that. either okay. way i don't know if that was something she was supposed to be doing or not but and then he said that after he dropped her off he went back to his place and they text for a little while and that was it he showed them texts on their phone his phone that verified this ethan even allowed police to come over to his house that he shared with his mom he's like this is my room and they didn't find anything that looked out of the ordinary anything that looked suspicious Police do end up pulling Kate's phone record, and it showed that her phone was pinging off of a tower several miles away from where she lived in James Island. Okay. Which James Island from downtown is about 20 minutes. Yeah, it's right across, anybody familiar with the bridge, right across 17, or familiar with Charleston, (laughs) um, you're familiar with uh, Highway 17 and that that bridge that goes right over by the Round Holiday Inn. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you take a left there in West Ashley, and you're on James Island. I think they got a big fancy James Island connector too. They now, might. I haven't yeah. been to James Island in a while. Yeah. So I think you can. Boy, I sounded antiquated there talking about the highway uh, Highway 17 bridge. But yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm certain there's a James Island connector now. There Sorry, might be. Charles, every time I go to Charleston, I'm old it's, school. It's something. Something's different. They, they, yes. The city's constantly growing. So nonetheless, her her phone was pinging over on James Island. Yes, which the, not all, instead of the one closest to her house. So there was actually a tower closer to her house. Okay. Well, police said the house, the tower by her house was probably busy. So it got picked up by another tower. So it's and this happens, which I'm guessing. I don't know. Um, yeah. And so they said it was it's very possible that she made this call from her home in downtown Charleston. That Friday, um, you know, they looked to see kind of what Kate had been doing the 12th, and they saw that she was on surveillance video at a local drugstore refilling a prescription. And while she waited, she was on the phone with her father, who told police that during that phone call, she had mentioned to him that she was having some troubles. And when he asked, you know, her, what, what's the issue? What's going on? Is there something I can help you with? She wouldn't elaborate. Okay. Uh, another of her friends that they talked to said that Kate had texted to say that she was going to go to Greenville for a few days. All okay. Right. At this point, you know, she's a 28-year-old female. She's phone records aren't showing anything super weird. They're not anything weird with her finances other than this guy trying to cash this check. Yeah, and Ethan sounded legit. And every and everything that he told them checked out. Yeah, I mean at first, I'm like, oh, gosh, who's this dude trying to – who got a hold of her checkbook? But, no, he sounds very cooperative, and then, with, and then with the friend saying she could have gone to Greenville, and mm-hmm. they know she's got this history of sometimes she's good, sometimes she's not, they didn't have any reason to suspect foul play at this point. And so it wasn't really – it was probably still there, but I wouldn't say it was an active mm-hmm. search or investigation into a missing person's. So two months end up going by, and there are no leads. Um, nothing else has really come of this. There's, like I said, no active investigation. But her parents refuse to give up. They refuse to accept the fact that she's just disappeared. And even if she did go to Greenville for two days, it's been two months. Wow. So they decide to contact a lawyer friend of them theirs by the name of Andy Savage, and they asked him for his help. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll see what I can do. And he ended up putting a group 
together. I feel like you would like these people. <laughs> um, okay. He put a group together of former law enforcement. And, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of people who used to, who retire from law enforcement. They get out of it, and they kind of decide to become private investigators. They kind of work. Mercenaries. Yeah, they're still doing stuff. And, like, there's a lot of people that still do that. They want to be doing it, but kind of like their own boss at the same time. Yeah. And one of the guys on this team was Bobby Mentor. He was known as the human bloodhound. Um, they said he was very good at tracking people without them realizing it. And then you have Bill Caps. He was the tech guy. He tracked people through the web. And James Randolph, his specialty was a strategy. He, you know, developed a plan. This is what we're going to do. And they all kind of worked together. And these men became known as the A-Team. Hell yeah. (laughs) I like it. I like it. And when we come back from this short break, uh, after a word from our sponsors, we're going to, um, you know, see what this group of men can um, find out. Let's see. And see if we can get some uh, leeway into what happened to Kate Waring. Yeah, let's see the A-Team find Kate. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Carolina Crimes, episode 133, emanating from Charleston, South Carolina. And this story of Kate Waring, um, she had disappeared uh, from her family. Uh, she's 28 years old. They really didn't get a handle on quite where she was. And now the search for Kate had lasted a couple months. Mm-hmm. So a local attorney, he got together what he called the A-Team. And I loved your description before we left off. And you're <laughs> right, I... This sounds like a movie coming together, but um, hopefully they can find her safe. Yes. So this A-team decided they needed to get on this, and they started back at Kate's house. And James uh, Randolph, he was the one that his specialty was in strategy. Mm -hmm. So he goes, I want to go through her house. I want to go into her room. I want to see things through her eyes. 
And that's kind of how he approached it. And as he's looking around her house, again, it's the same thing her parents noticed, which there's nothing that looks like she just up and left in a hurry. There was nothing that was overturned. Like, there was a struggle. And, of course, in her room, like her parents, they found he found her medication, which was the same one that she had just had refilled on that Friday mm-hmm. and one that she was supposed to take daily. So even though there wasn't anything majorly sticking out that something was wrong i mean you know this is something they've done for years i'm sure it was like but something's not right here right and so bill uh caps the one that was the tech guy ended up going through all of her social media accounts which she was very active on she was always on facebook she was always emailing texting or calling people and he also and noticed that it had been silent since that Friday. He also looked at her phone records again and saw that at 10.06 p.m. on that Friday, she had left a message for a friend saying that someone had stolen her identity and she wanted to sue. A little after midnight, she had called another friend saying that she was hanging out at a different friend's house. And this is where she'd be. And he also saw that after 1 a.m., it showed that she attempted to call her own voicemail as if to get her messages, but it was uh, her mailbox was full, and it was one that she never used. So this made him believe that this was probably somebody else on her phone. Okay. Well, another person comes into play by the name of Eugene Frazier. He's a retired homicide detective and is a close and is close to the Waring family. He would get tips from people in the community and, you know, relay it to the A-team because he knew these people. And one of the tips came from a church friend of his saying that he was the landlord of an apartment that he was renting to Eugene Mack. The only thing is, is the apartment that he was renting to Eugene Mack was not the place that he had police originally search. At the hmm. home where he lived with his mother. Okay, so he had, he said, yeah, I'm living, I live with my mom, but he also had his own place on the side. Yes, but <clears throat> he didn't live with his mom. He was living in this apartment. Oh, so you, um, Ethan. <clears throat> so the A-team learned that Ethan lived in this apartment with his girlfriend, Heather Camp. Uh, Kate's parents said that they had met her a few times. Uh, Kate had recently befriended Heather. Kate had actually met Heather on the Palmetto train coming from Washington, D.C. Okay. Heather told Kate that she was moving to Charleston to begin a new job as a pediatric surgeon. But she had just been robbed before she got on the train and did not have her purse. Therefore, she didn't have any money on her. And Kate offered to help her out. She ends up having her, why don't you just get off, you know, where you're getting off anyways at Charleston. You can come meet my family if you need to stay here for a little bit. Just trying to help her out. And Kate's mother, Janice, said that she had met Kate and she didn't have a very good feeling about her. Heather. Yes, had met Heather. And... Uh, But Kate was very set on wanting to help her, and eventually Kate introduced Heather to Ethan, and the two of them quickly began dating and even even faster moved in together. So Ethan and Heather were in this relationship because Kate had introduced the two of them. 
So matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. That's right. Investigators also learned that Heather had no medical degree or any kind of license to practice medicine. Okay. They also learned that she had an extensive criminal record uh, with forgery charges in multiple states. Mm. They also noticed that on the receipt from the dinner that Ethan said him and Kate had gone to on Friday night, it looked to have had enough food for three people, and it made them think that there was a possibility that Heather was with them. Okay. So... Two people aren't going to eat three on. So now they have, okay, well, you didn't mention that there was another person with you. You lied about where you were actually living. So you had police search a home that you knew they weren't going to find anything there because you didn't really live there. Mm-hmm. And this, and then you have this girl who's, you know, every, this story that she fed Kate is not even close to being true. And on top of that, she's, you know, a criminal. Yeah. So there's just a lot. I mean, that a lot of lies going on. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you've done anything, but if they're, you're lying for a reason. Yeah. It, do, it, it doesn't make you look to be the most trustworthy in their eyes. I'm, I'm over the whole. I'm, I'm perplexed by this whole impersonating a physician thing. Yeah. Too. And why was she even coming to South Carolina on the Palmetto train? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what she said. She said she was starting a new job at a hospital there as a pediatric surgeon, which is why she was going to Charleston. Yeah. But the only thing, the only thing that I can think of happened possibly in that conversation is maybe she started the conversation and maybe Kate mentioned something about where she was going, and then she could have been like. I, that's where I'm going. Yeah, this is this. I mean, if this she just girl said, looks rich and she's I'm, willing to help me. You know, she could have. If I was going, you know, if I'm heading off to George Savannah, she could have been like, "Well, I'm going to Savannah." So, yeah. you know. Wow. So this information, the the, I mean, it seems like a little stuff here and there is starting to add up. And then the the A team brings this to the Charleston Police Department. And they said, look, their stories have checked out. These two are nothing more than petty criminals, and we'll charge them for the check crime. We'll look into it. That'll be a separate case from the missing persons case. Okay. So it's not we're not going to sit here and say, because this is weird with the check, that that means that they had anything to do with this. So completely separate. So Eugene Frazier, uh, the former homicide detective, goes back to his church friend that was Ethan's landlord. And asked if he would be able, because his home was right near the apartments that he was a landlord of. And asked if he could put a hidden camera in this landlord's home Mm. in the corner of a window where it would face Ethan's front door. And the guy's like, sure. Okay, so not like a bedroom camera. No, it was just a tie. They want to see their comings and goings and also know when they're there. And it's motion detected, so anytime they're leaving coming and going it'll go off and it'll record okay and they also went to nathan uh ethan's job at a local hotel and put a gps tracker on his car because they wanted to see where he was going okay so through surveillance they learned that while ethan was gone at work heather would go over to a neighbor's house by the name of terry they didn't give a last name 
So the A team goes over to Terry's house, and they're like, all right, we'll come up with some kind of plan. And the best thing that law enforcement will do is act like they have more than what they do. Mm-hmm. you got to have that confidence to let them question, do they really have what I think they do? And they offer him, you know, it's going to be like reward money. You can have this. We know that Ethan and Heather killed Kate, and if you have any information, we'll give you this money. Well, while they're standing outside talking to Terry, Heather bursts out of a side door while she's in the process of pulling her clothes on. So they're like, obviously something else is going on here between the two of them. And she's yelling at investigators the whole time. She then makes a call to Ethan with an earshot and says that they're trying to get Terry to roll on us. And this sounds like a train wreck, dude. (laughs) Yeah, no pun intended. And that's when well, they yeah. knew that we're on to something. Like, these two have done something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when we come back from uh, this last short break, we're going to, um, you know, find out if... <laughs> if uh, let's, let's tie a bow on this thing. i got <laughs> to find out what they're up to. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what um, they were able to discover and, um, you know, wrap this up and get a conclusion. All right. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, welcome back to Carolina Crimes, episode 133, coming from Charleston, South Carolina. And during the break, Danielle kind of clarified something for me. In this story, Heather Camp said she busted out of the house. She came out of Terry's house. Yes. The neighbor without her clothes on. Yeah, so there was definitely... So she's even more of a train wreck. Yeah, so she's was, in there doing something with him. Yeah, while her but boyfriend's called, Yeah, but called work. Ethan. She busted out of Terry's door... Putting her clothes putting back her on. Putting her clothes back on. Mm-hmm. On the phone with Ethan saying, investigators are here trying to get Terry to roll over on us. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah. So sorry if there's any confusion. Yeah, she was in no, his, she was in his apartment. <laughs> so he's down with OPP. The old song. You don't know that. We'll talk about that off air. <laughs> As you were. I mean, I might. I don't know. I'd have to bring it back. Terry. <laughs> so a few days later, Terry ends up calling um, one of the investigators on the aid team who had left his number and said that he wanted to talk. So they went out to his house, and Terry says he thinks that uh, Heather and Ethan had done something to Kate. He's like, I just, I feel like it, like nothing's been told to me, but there's just been certain things that they've done. And he hands them an iPod and said, this will probably belong to Kate. He said Heather had given it to him, and it was, uh, it it did belong to Kate, and it was actually, uh, she was last seen using it at a gym that she had gone to on that Friday earlier in the day, the last day that she was seen. Yeah. So all of this information, again, is handed over to Charleston police. So they're looking into it when police get a call from Heather Camp herself who was obviously feeling the pressure of them going to her house, um, getting Terry involved, just the constant, they're not going anywhere. And I'm guessing she just eventually was like, all right. And she told them that she was the one who signed Kate's name on that check that Ethan tried to cash. So Ethan and Heather were picked picked up at their respective jobs and arrested and charged with forgery and obstruction of justice. Okay, nothing new to her. She said that before. No, yes, just another one to add on to the list. Wow, that was thunder. (laughs) Yeah, if you hear it, that's That's not our stomach growling. A stomach coming. I mean, not stomach. Listen, a storm coming through. So the A team ends up going to the courthouse shortly after Ethan and Heather um, had their bond hearing. They had a video bond hearing, which they had together. And they end up pulling her aside afterwards and told her that they would help her out with her forgery charge if she told them what happened to Kate. And she agreed to talk. Wow. So she told them that they could find Kate at Wadamala Wadamala Yeah, I was like, I know I'm not going to say that right Island, which is just outside of James Island And actually, I looked it up and I've been there yeah, I have, think that's where they have the Firefly Distillery Well, that's where they have the the tea plantation too which i went when i lived there and my mom we, we went there for the day and it's like this it's like the largest like the only tea plantation in the state and they make their own tea cool. it's like a really i was like i've been here um so and on october 10th 2009 five months after kate was last seen her skeletal remains were found oh by a desolate uh down a desolate path by some members of the a team who took you know the search upon themselves and then they reached out to 911 um, oh, letting gosh. them know what they had found because even though they had turned everything over to police they still continued looking into this on their own because they wanted to get this resolved and this poor girl she she'd struggled early in her life she had trauma that happened mm-hmm. to her snowballed into addiction which happens mm-hmm. people have to cope with awful things sometimes. And here she was, met Heather Camp, had the heart big enough to try to help her, mm-hmm. help her as a stranger. Heather lied to her, connived her, stole from her. I mean, deceived her. 
And this girl just wanted to help somebody. Yeah, she brought her. She brought her into her home. She brought her in to meet her parents. And now she's, she's perished, because of, because of this, this monster. Yeah, Heather Camp. Well, after they had found her, which you know, of course, Heather led them to Kate's body, where about where they could find her. She ends up telling police, you know, they're like, all right, well, now obviously you you do have something to do with this and we want to and you want to know what everybody wants to know if you, if you have a family member or any family member who's you know had a loved one who's been a victim of a crime like this you want to they as hard as it is you want to know what happened mm-hmm. it's it's hard but it's i think harder not knowing and you want to know like why did something like this yeah, happen wh- like how did we get why here? are you why are you gonna hurt kate yeah like how did we even get here you know this guy's like a brother to her you're a new friend but one that she's taken under her wing very quickly and early on so heather tells police that her and ethan had been stealing money from kate and when she found out about it she threatened to get her family involved if they didn't pay her back which is a very normal response honestly she could have gone right to the police but instead she's like you know her you know think keep in mind her father's a lawyer yeah so and she knows she has to know something about laws and i'm sure she could have immediately gone to the police but it's like i'm giving you an opportunity to write this and then i'm sure she would have been like pay me back and then we don't have to speak again right i'm willing just give me what you took from me yeah i'm willing to not make this any harder than it needs to be um unfortunately that is not the way that it went and it wasn't as easy as it, it, that sounded. And the, so the three of them did go to dinner that night. So Heather was there. And then they went back to the couple's apartment where Ethan and Kate started arguing again because the money had come up. Like, hey, you know, like, don't act like we're sitting here being best friends. Like, this is still an issue that we need to get resolved. That's when Heather said, and I and it didn't specify, but they said she said they tricked her into getting inside of a suitcase what? where Ethan tortured her with a stun gun before knocking her over the head with a wine bottle. He then filled the bathtub and drowned her. My God, so it wasn't even. It, it a was quick death. I mean, it was inhumane. It was yeah, torture. Yeah, and I, all of this because I think they knew they couldn't pay the money back. They did. There was no way it was going to happen. I don't know how much that they took from her, but they had been taken enough over enough time where she she noticed quickly, and now it's like, okay, you're going to get your parents involved, which means I'm going to face criminal charges, and it's like this. So they're going to murder her. For you to think that that's the best solution blows my mind, but. Unfortunately, that's what I guess he thought in the moment, or he just, you know, she said he'd become enraged, so maybe his emotions took over. I don't know. Either way, there's no reason, there's no excuse for it. And mm. Ethan did speak to police. Um, he, but he would only talked about, you know, his issues with the money and trying to cash a check that she clearly did not write to him. But as far as any involvement in Kate's murder, he did not admit to anything, and soon he lawyered up and refused to speak to them anymore. So at this point, Heather's the only one talking. Okay. 
So Ethan Mack at this point is 29 and Heather Camp is 31 and they were both charged with Kate's murder. Heather wanted to see about getting a plea deal to voluntary manslaughter in exchange for testifying against Ethan. But the prosecutor said that she had given so many inconsistent statements from the time that they talked to her. She, I mean, even what happened about the money, um, you know, even where Kate's body was. She gave them a couple different places it could be, and they didn't find anything. Wow. So they ended up, um, you know, they were like, no, we're not, we're not going to give you a plea deal. Like, you're not going to get off that easily because you know we don't even know if what you've said is completely the truth anyways we just what you have is it's good for now but i don't even know if that's the truth so in october of 2010 ethan mack was convicted of obstruction of justice and forgery and he was sentenced to 15 years however when he went to trial for the murder there was a hung jury which caused a mistrial okay yeah. Because you have to keep in mind, a lot of their biggest evidence was Heather's confession. And there was enough stuff to point to it, but probably not enough for a jury. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence. Yeah. So uh, in April of 2011, he agreed to enter an Alford plea, which we've talked about that before. Yes. You're not pleading guilty, but you're saying that the state has enough that if you took it to trial, you would be found yeah. guilty. I would look guilty. If- yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and plead this Alfred plea. Yes, and he was able to plead to voluntary manslaughter, and he was sentenced to 25 years, and he must serve at least 85% of his term. And he is currently at the Tiger Correctional. Tiger River. Yep, and he is scheduled to be released in 2023. Okay. So coming up. Okay. Heather Camp pled guilty to murder, forgery and obstruction of justice in March of 2011 and was sentenced to 39 years in December of 2016. She is currently at Graham's Women's Facility on Broad River Road in Columbia and she is scheduled to be released in 2048. Wow. And it was between the trial the investigation and everything that came up it was consistent across the board that heather camp is she's a manipulator she lies to get what she wants um, and it was learned that she had 13 different people who had fallen victim to her Whoa. through her lies i mean she would claim because she did have she was um formerly married and had four children that she did not have custody of but she would tell people my kid has leukemia they're dying and like she would i mean just to Why say would she would she would use her children in the most dire way or she even said she had a kid her one of her kids died in a car accident and different things that she would say to just you know pull on those heartstrings and but it's like you i mean to even bring your kids into that just to get money yeah and investigators said that her M.O. was that she would meet a man, move in with him quickly, run up his debt, and then leave him with said debt. So this was something that she was just very uh, skilled in. She was had been doing this That's for years. That's and her That's how she lives. Unfortunately, in this situation, she found someone who was willing to stand up for herself and... I guess they felt 
that they couldn't you know they couldn't take the chance of possibly getting in trouble again and i mean look where it landed them but i i have on here i said i think it's very you know it's safe to say that if kate had never met heather she'd still be alive today and i think it's unfortunate that her and ethan like ethan you know her friend somebody that she considered a brother had known for years turned on her so quickly because of this person that he was barely knew yeah had just moved in and you know would have he even have done this to her as far as even taking no, the money I, I, in my heart i don't believe yeah ethan mack would do and this. it's like one person destroyed so many lives and yes ethan mack is 100 percent responsible for his actions I'm not saying he's not but it's just you find that right person that pushes those buttons that evil person and you never know what what's going to happen it's just amazing to me how you can, you know, be so loyal and so close to someone for so many years, and then one person comes in in such a short amount of time, right. completely, you know, make you turn against this person, do these awful things, you're stealing money, you're lying, and then it turns into, I'm going to kill you to cover this up. Yeah. And not even that, but he killed her in such a brutal way. Well, I hope Ethan has taken that time to reflect. I mean comes out and he's I, I don't know I, I, I know the guy's probably remorseful he, he really is but um, oh, like you said he's responsible for all his own actions he, he is but that's uh, wow that's wild and I did want to clarify I said he's scheduled to be released in 2023 and I went that doesn't sound right 2030 2030. I apologize. So he has yeah. a. So in case you're like. So he's her, got some more time to think. Her math. Her math's not right. No, he's not about to get out. But he has a, a few more years to hopefully. I hope he's had some time, especially being distant from Heather. And realizing, you know, what he did to someone who was, you know, so close mm-hmm. to him yeah. for and been friends with him for so long. For sure. That there's remorse there, but um, it's an unfortunate story. But it's just interesting how you just. All it takes is just meeting one wrong person that can just upend stuff. Sometimes it can be a great thing, and in this case, it wasn't. Gosh. Well, certainly sympathy for Waring's and Kate's family. That's. It sounded like she was struggling, wanting to get on the right track, and then something tragic happened. And she was in the process of – she was on the right track at this point, and no matter what – path she was on at the time her parents and her brothers and they were always you know very supportive very loving did what they could to help her god bless that family and uh we thank you thank you danielle that was a good that was a interesting story um and we thank you for listening here to episode 133 of carolina crimes uh if you'd like to see some pictures from this uh show some pictures of some of the both perpetrators and victims. Uh, We will be putting that up on our social media on Facebook at Carolina Crimes Podcast. Also over on Twitter at SC Crimes Pod. If you'd like to support the show, remember to go over to carolinacrimesstore.com and check out the apparel, tumblers, all the goodies over there, and we'd appreciate you picking up some. Also, another way to support the show, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts, go ahead and smash that purple subscribe button and throw us a five-star review. Write a little something about what you like about the show, your pet's names, what you had for dinner, anything like that. And we would like to thank the following people for supporting us and the show. Uh, 
For the folks that went over to Carolina Crime Store, we'd like to thank Susan Kimbrell, Casey Hopper. Over on Apple, we'd like to thank, thank Big Grady929, Icarus Can't Fly, <laughs> and their dog Otis. K Come G Y S. So K C O M E G Y S. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> uh, thank you to ODMJ84 and their cats, Pepper and Shadow. Thank you to Patty Cake38. <laughs> thank you to AM Green Bean. Thank you to DJ Salmon and their fur babies, Sam, Ollie, Charlie, Buzz, and even Jeff. Thank you to VA Vicky. Thank you to Brown Eyed Lady 70. And thank you to Crickin' Toes. Also, big thanks to Susan Elaine, Eric and Kim Cheek, Sam Watkins, and happy birthday to his lab, Raylo. Oh, happy birthday. Uh, yeah. Thank you to Ronnie, uh, Rhonda Bain, Jennifer Lyons, Tiffany Smith, Madeline Addison, Blair Kobliski, uh, Leslie Bean and her cat, Baby. Uh, Dolores Riggins, Eric Pesavento, Reed Toth, Christina Yawn. Hadn't heard from her in a while. Thank you, Christina. Uh, Nancy Hart, Beth Glaze and her Marsh Tackies, Noli and Geechee. Yes. Those beautiful horses. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Jealous. I love your life, Beth Glaze. <laughs> Amanda Evans, uh, Brittany Russ, Terry Ranley, Jamie Witherspoon, Brad Bochette, David Monteith, Lynn Fralick, Jody Wright, Betty Oliver, Jimmy Brashear, uh, Kim Sally, Deborah Kitchens, Tracy Nutter, Terry Pearson, Chuck Carnes, we're getting you right, buddy, uh, Oliver McMurray, Janie Grubbs, Lisa McDowell, Susan Carraway, Joey Gardner, Ameri Amanda Evans, and Cody Kobe Griffin. Thank you all so, yes, so thank much. You. So until next time, uh, we appreciate all of you listening. And be safe out there. We'll try to be safe when we leave here. It's thundering and lightning. Oh, gosh. Wow. It's really coming down out there. Not so used to we seeing might, that. We let's had, record another. <laughs> we haven't had rain in like two weeks. Yeah, what's that wet <laughs> stuff? Well, let's record another sitting here. But uh, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, we appreciate you listening to Carolina Crimes.